Well, hello, everybody. It's Mackenzie and Autumn here. Once again, coming at you from my abode in Toronto. It's beautiful. Yes. We've got a great view. Yeah. And we also and we have our look at our Christmas tree. Oh, it's beautiful. And it's Autumn awesome. brought uh, pastries, which are divine. Yes, from the Dej. Yes. Yes. I thought, um, Mac, that we would start... Uh, this episode with um, a little recitation. Love it. Begin, Autumn. Um, and it, hopefully you will all understand what um, musical we're doing from this. You should, considering you heard the preview last week. That's correct. <laughs> and if you didn't get it, we are very sorry. You must be dog people. <laughs> um, the naming of cats. The naming of cats is a difficult matter. It isn't just one of your holiday games. You may think at first I'm as mad as a hatter when I tell you a cat must have three different names. First of all, there's the name that the family use daily, such as Peter, Augustus, Alonzo, or James, such as Victor, or Jonathan, George, or Bill Bailey, all of them sensible, mm -hmm. everyday names. Mm -hmm. Oh, there are fancier names if you think they sound sweeter. Some for the gentlemen, some for the dames, such as Plato, Admetus, Electra, Demeter, but all of them sensible, everyday mm. names. But I tell you, a cat needs a name that's particular, a name that's peculiar and more dignified, else how can he keep up his tail perpendicular, <laughs> or spread out his whiskers, or cherish his pride? Of names of this kind, I can give you a quorum, such as Monkus Trap, Quoxco, or a Corcopat, such as Bumbleorina, or else Jellylorum, names that never belong to more than one cat. But above and beyond, there's still one name left over, and that is the name you will never, ever guess. The name that no human research can discover. But the cat himself knows and will never confess. When you notice a cat in profound meditation, the reason, I tell you, is always the same. His mind is engaged in a rapt contemplation of the thought, of the thought, of the thought of his name, his ineffable, effable, effin ineffable, Deep and inscrutable, singular name. Bravo, Autumn. Well, thank you. That thank was you beautiful. very much. That was beautiful. I think it's a perfect way to start this episode yes. about cats. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is actually a bonus episode, as it was not on the original season one schedule. No, but it wasn't. because of the upcoming film that will be coming out, I think in less than a week when you'll be hearing this, <laughs> um, we thought it was the perfect time for us to capitalize on everybody talking about cats, and we will do, and we will do our deep dive into this uh, world record breaking musical. Uh, based on a book of poems by T.S. Eliot. Uh, 
one of my favorite poets of all time. Will this be a uh, book of poems that the children will receive at Christmas autumn as as a lead-in for them going to see the film version with us? You know, funny story. Um, I actually used to own a copy of, of this? the book of Old Possum's book of Practical Cats. Um, and Old Possum was actually a name that Ezra Pound gave to T.S. Eliot. Oh. That was his nickname. So I, like... I had this book and it was all um, illustrated by Edward Gorey. Oh. It was, and I can't find it anywhere. Oh. I need to find it because, yes, this would be, I don't know if I would give it to the children. <laughs> or maybe would, just to yourself. I would probably keep it for myself. It would go in your uh, study. Quite, mm-hmm. quite, with all my other Edward Gorey, T.S. Eliot matter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. This would, this would be, this would be one. Perfect. All right. Do you want to know a little bit more about this before we go into everything else? Yes. So, um, it's a, basically it's a musical about cats. I don't know what else. Yeah. That's basic. They're all like trying to vie for a spot Mm -hmm. in the heavy side layer, which is the place where you go after your nine lives. Yeah. Essentially. Heaven. Heaven, heaven. In the poems, uh, it's via hot air balloon. That's right. But in in this show, it's via... A tire. A tire. And a magic hand. uh, Some people use a hologram. Yeah. Uh, Choices. Uh, Everyone has a different choice. Mm -hmm. It's great. Um, uh, And it's based on the T.S. Eliot book, The Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats, which he wrote for his godchildren. There you go. I know. I know. So... um, it tells the story of a tribe of cats called the Jellicles, <laughs> and the night they make the Jellicle choice, deciding which cat will ascend to the heavy side layer. And that is the basic plot of the whole show. And it's a bunch of cats. It's yeah. humans dressed as cats. Yeah. It's, it, End story. Yeah. That's so. The, the, mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah. So people freaking out and watching the trailers for the new movie going... What is this? It's they basically just did that and took away the le- the leotard and leg warmers and just put CGI fur on everybody, which we yeah, which we debated in our trailer no, review for still, this. There are still some leotards in the film version. Yeah, no. Yeah, it looks like leotard. No, no, no. They're all no. They all, all wear. You can look at behind the scenes photos. They're all wearing like green suits with uh, motion capture dots, and, the, and then they just. Put the CGI first, so they're all CGI. Oh, their whole body. There's there's no leotards. It's all computers. Which once again, now you get into the whole uncanny valley thing. So that's why it's still looking weird to our eyes because our eyes can tell when it doesn't look right. That's so weird. Which is why I've always thought they should have gone the whole idea of like a DreamWorks Puss in Boots look and just had great voice actors like Judy Dench and Ian McCown come in to do the voices, but then just animate it, make like an animated movie versus. Or just do cats. Which they already did in the 90s. I know. Just do it again. Do we need to do it again? Bigger actors, if that, that's what floats your boat. I don't, I don't know if Names. we need this. I, I don't know if we need this film. Like, out of all the Lloyd Webber canon that you could do, I'd rather see him finally do a Sunset Boulevard film with Glenn Close versus Cats. Either way, so that's a great plot description. These cats all get together. They're jellicles. Yeah. And they are just trying to decide who's going to go up to the heavy side layer. And we get to see a display basically of all these different cats vying for the position. And throughout the uh, festivities, this one evil cat 
McCavity is wreaking havoc on them, trying to snag the the coveted spot. And that's basically it. Which he doesn't get, and we'll get into that moment. moment. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, And that's basically it for plot. I mean, there's not much more to say. It's about cats. That's what they do. In that case, Autumn, why don't you give us a rundown of the critters? We're already talking about a few people. We have. Like Lloyd Webber and um, Trevor Nunn. This is a Lord Lloyd Webber extravaganza. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of his first, like, big hits. After doing Evita and um, uh, B- B- Joseph and Superstar, Jesus, Superstar yeah. that they caught, that, that, that him and, um, um, uh, what's his name? Tim Rice. Tim Rice kind of took a break from each other, which I don't blame them for. Working working with someone on a, in a creative process, it can really drain on the relationships. I can see why they took a break and Lloyd Webber went off and did his thing and, and um, Tim Rice went off and did chess. Yeah. As we discussed in our chess episode where we reveal that Tim Rice wanted Lloyd Webber to work on chess, but Lloyd Webber was busy with cats at the time. Which Tim Rice did not want to touch. He referred to him once in the rehearsal process for a project, and it didn't end well. So we will get into that. Wow. But really, this is the first Lloyd Webber stepping out on his own. So we've discussed Lloyd Webber in our Superstar episode. It's a furry situation. (laughs) I had to throw something in there. I love that. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, Lloyd Webber was in in Superstar. We went into him. We did Trevor Nunn in Chess. Chess. As well. So... Uh, who yeah. wanted to, like, uh, uh, well, who we have on the team, Autumn, that we haven't talked about yet? There actually was a lyricist for Was Cats. there? Yeah, it was Richard Stilgo. Oh. And Richard Stilgo also worked with Lord Lloyd Webber on um, The Phantom of the Opera. Ah. And Starlight Express. We're not doing that musical anytime soon. I quite love that musical. I don't. It's, well, it's, yeah, it's on roller skates. You, it's you on roller skates. child of yeah. the 80s, maybe, to fully appreciate mm-hmm. it. Um, anyway, uh, Stilgo worked on those two little nuggets. Yeah. Um, he was knighted uh, in the Queen's Birthday Honors for ah. his extensive charity work. Mm. Uh, he does a lot of um, charity work um, in the UK. Okay. He's also a keen puzzler. Oh, what's that? I don't know. Who has hosted several quiz shows and authored several books on the subject? Well, there you go. Like, so, it's, so, it's, so it's kind of like the British Alice Trebek. Kind of, yes. Okay. Let's say yes. Um, still alive. Yeah. Very nice. Great. So he's Sir Richard Henry Simpson Stilgo. And he helped with the, lyri- the lyrics for this. Yeah. Okay. Well, <clears throat> like you have some original songs in here. Most of the songs, however, come were, from were tum- come from the original poems, which was smart. Well, that's the only way Lloyd Webber could do it because the widow, T.S. Eliot's widow, still had the rights to it. So she wouldn't yeah. give him the rights unless, uh, unless basically they said they would, it wouldn't really change any of the poems. So smart. Which is great because T.S. Eliot is a great writer. Like, well, there's so many fun little lines in there. They're genius. They're, it's very like, British. It's very, it just, I love uh, Eliot. Because he like transplants me back to London, mm-hmm. and it, it happens within two lines of text. It's yeah. so simple, but he just gets it. He gets mm-hmm. cats one, yeah. and he gets London too. Perfect, uh, which is amazing. 
So there are a couple of other people I think we should just mention yep. very briefly. Yep. We will go into this other person extensively in other episodes. Yep. Um, but the producer, who we, do, we don't talk about really. No, um, this is Hal Prince. That's the only producer we've talked about so far. That's the only one. But this is Sir Cameron Anthony McIntosh. The wonderful, great Cameron yes. McIntosh. The impresario of impresario. The height of his success in 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, he's Les Mis. I mean, he does, he always continues to be the height of his success. He's a billionaire. Like, he is one of the few theater oh, yeah. billionaires of the world. Yeah, in the Sunday uh, Times Rich List of 2019, Macintosh was estimated to have a fortune of $1.28 billion. Pounds. <sighs> Uh, pretty extraordinary. <laughs> and apparently, he's. What, do, what does one do with that money? That's a whole. I'll other tell you because he actually talked about it. Because when he dies, the money isn't going to his children. Apparently, oh. it's going into a, 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 a new creation fund with his company. So basically, it won't be used for like another revival of Lane Is. It will be for creating new works. Well, that is really wonderful. Because he, God yeah. bless him for that. Mm-hmm. But we should also give money to his children. I, so. I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're getting some money so. as well. But I'm glad he's also putting some money towards new creation because he is. Well, that's great. I, 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 I would say it. He's the modern day godfather of musical theater. Like his thumbprints are over oh, so yeah. many shows. Yeah. That you wouldn't even think they're like are are are. You are, can are, argue yeah. that. Yeah. You can argue that. Whether I it's mean, Phantom or. Cats or Les Mis, Miss Saigon, Oliver, Oliver, Mary Poppins, anything goes. He has the Hamilton. He he bought the rights for the British version of Hamilton. He's even part of the the producing team of the newest revival of Company. So that's our our good friend, the impresario of theater. Yes, the 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 producer of all producers. Yes. Um. Then we have uh, Cats is because. Because it's people being cats, you you would um, assume that they'd have to move well. Mm-hmm. And choreography is a huge part of this production. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Um, it was uh, choreographed by Dame Gillian Barbara Lynn, mm. uh, who was uh, extraordinary dancer, choreographer, actress, uh, and theater television director. Um, mm-hmm. Noted for Cats and Phantom of the Opera. Yes. She was made uh, a dame at the age of 87 in 2014. Beautiful. Um, and in 2018, she was the first non royal woman to have a West End theater. Right. Lord Weber named a theater after yeah. her. And sadly, we lost her in uh, that same year, in yes. 2018. Uh, but just an extraordinary, extraordinary um, woman, woman and uh, artist. She was like the second coming of Agnes DeMille, basically. Yes, one hundred percent. And she redefined choreography mm-hmm. yet again. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, you know, you have you have your choreographers. You have Fosse. Agnes. You have Robin. Yeah, then you Fosse. have Fosse. And then and what's then you his have name? Lynn. Well, Michael Bennett came. And Michael Bennett. Yeah, Michael Bennett came right in that seventies, and then Gillian Lynn came as of the eighties, and then 80s. she took it all the way through. Yeah, which is fantastic. Did you? Yeah, did you hear the story about her as a child? No. So when she was young, she was a very bouncy, like ADHD <laughs> child, and so her parents yeah. took her to a like psychologist, like somebody to be like, hey, like what the heck is going on with our child? 
So sure enough, he did all his tests and things like that. And then he said, <coughs> then he told the parents to kind of step out of the room. And he, as he, and as he was leaving, he just tapped his record player. So it would just kind of play music in the background as a calming thing. So sure enough, they're saying, well, what's wrong with our daughter? And he said, oh, well, there's, uh, do we need to put her on some type of drug to kind of neutral her out? And the, the doctor said, no, she's fine. And they looked at him and he said, and he just pushed the door open. Sort of, she's, she was in the room dancing. And, 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 and he said, look, that's her. Put her, like, just put her in a dance class and she'll be fine. Just That's how I solved my ADHD. Right? It's movement. Lot. It's great. It's it, physical activity. It alters It burns the, calories like there's no tomorrow. And it's stimulating. It's, it it's, changes it's, your brain. It changes yes. your brain uh, functionality. You're right? doing so many things with that brain. Because you're here having to do rhythm and, st- and remember the steps. Yeah. And listen to the music. Like there's and so your brain's feel working. the music. Yes. Yeah. There's so the, it's it's a high activation. level. Yeah. That your brain is working overload for that. So one hundred percent. But yeah, she's great. Jillian Lynn, like one hundred one like God bless her. One thousand percent on Jillian Lynn. Incredible, mm-hmm. incredible woman. And the last person I want to talk about because we we haven't done this in our last couple of podcasts. Is the set designer right, John Napier, who big um, name, who is uh, like uh, just prolific? Mm-hmm. Um, he earned a position at as associate designer at the RSC, the Which Royal Shakespeare yep. Company. Um, designed for the National Theatre, he did Peter Shaver's Equus. Mm-hmm. Um, he did Candide. He's done things for the Royal Opera House, for mm-hmm. Glyndebourne, for the uh, English National Opera. Yes, and. Uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like, and then, of course, add to that, when he came over to the States, not only did he do numerous Broadway yeah. things, but he designed and co-directed shows for Siegfried and Roy. There you go. At the Mirage. Yeah. He did a video with Michael Jackson. Uh, <laughs> and he designed Steven Spielberg's Hook. Ah, that's, a, that's like, a very underrated what? Spielberg movie. I think that's a, it's a really fun it, one. It is good. I like that one. But everybody always talks about how the 80s kind of brought these iconic set pieces mm-hmm. to the stage, whether it's the chandelier or the swinging in barricade in Les Mis, the helicopter in Miss Saigon. The tire and cats. The tire and cats. All these items came from the brain of John Napier. So when you talk about iconic pieces of set, which really up till then wasn't a big thing. Like, I mean, the closest thing I could think of was maybe the balcony from Evita, like uh, the Casa Rosada. But other than that, that, that was not really. Yeah, that wasn't like a big set piece moment. But we don't talk about we don't, like we don't give enough credit to the designer. Mm-hmm. And I think he like just really an extraordinary um, artist. Yes, and craftsman who I I wanted to note. Well, he deserves so, the noting. There you go. Love it. Uh, <clears throat> that is me done. Okay. That was very long. But I think worth it. Yes. 100%. All right. So are you ready for my long... Can't wait. I'm production history to, uh, of the show. part of my Perfect. lovely croissant while you chat. All right. <clears throat> Here we go. So as we talked about, Cats is based on T.S. Eliot's 1939 poetry book, Opossum's Books of Practical Cats, with songs in the musical consisting of Eliot's verses, set to the music by Lloyd Webber. Uh, Elliot's book has been a childhood favorite of Lloyd Webber's. Uh, Lloyd oh Webber, yes, that's why he always wanted to do it. It was a, like, hey, this has been a childhood book. It'd be like somebody doing Harry Potter as, as a musical because, hey, I read the books growing up as a kid, and oh, that's great. here we go. And that would be a bit longer. Absolutely. 
I mean, they already tried that with the stage show. And so far, mm-hmm. it's coming to Toronto. So Can't wait. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lloyd Webber began composing the songs in late 1997 as a songwriting exercise and partially to see if he could write music to a predetermined lyric. So Tim Rice and him had always collab, right? There was another, mm-hmm. and there was never like, hey, this is what we have to write to. So it was, it was an experiment for him. Uh, the compositions were performed privately for friends, but Lloyd Webber had no further intentions for them at the time. He was like, okay, did it. Exercise done. Yeah. Uh, after his song cycle of Tell Me on a Sunday, or Song and Dance, mm-hmm. as it. it was also known, uh, was televised on the BBC in early 1980s to the rave reviews, Lloyd Webber began mm-hmm. to consider using his musicalization of Elliot's poems in the same vein for a televised concert anthology. Nice. Yep. Right? Yeah. Great idea to start off with. He approached uh, producer Cameron McIntosh to prove possible to uh to explore possible avenues for the songs practical cats was the title of the show at the time it was the working title it was first presented as a song cycle in 1980 uh summer uh, simminton festival which is on lode weber's estate because because he on his estate he has this old church that he converted <laughs> into a uh theater where now uh, new works are are premiered there a work in progress is so that's where things like Phantom, School of Rock, uh, The Woman in White, all, all, oh all of Lloyd Webber's basically brain, Sunset Boulevard, all these kind of brainchilds of Lloyd Webber, he always kind of previews them at, at the Simmonton Festival. That always well, features or, orchestra, orchestral stuff, piano. Friends, if you're listening to this before our festive Christmas season, mm-hmm. I would like Little Chapel to take you new works. Right? I'm just saying, I... There's a lot of old churches around here, so I'm sure we could buy one and just you know, do, yes. do do some stuff to it. So anyone, maybe, I'll take anyone. Maybe that'll be our next venture, Autumn. Okay, we'll buy a church and we'll convert it into a theater for mm-hmm. for emerging art. Nice for Shelby Parade. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so yes, yeah, so it was presented at the Simmonton Festival, and as I said, it was uh, the place of many premier uh, premieres of Lloyd Webber's works. Uh, Elliot's widow and literacy um, uh, um, uh, kind of exeter, uh, Valerie, was in the audience and brought along various unpublished cat-themed poems by Elliot. So all the cut things from the book. That's, that's going to come up later because that is important. Because one of these was Grizabella the Glamour Cat. Right. was a cut poem that Lloyd, we- that Lloyd Webber went, ah, oh, okay, light bulb. Um... This could be a great uh, uh, piece of work for the show. Could it kind of be used as a as a um, middling as a, as a main character? But he said, "Why was it cut from the book?" And apparently, it was deemed too sad for children, which is why that poem was cut originally from the book. Right. Yes. According to his widow, um, sad. it is. So Lloyd Webber has has stated in previous interviews about the creation process. He goes, "The musical and dramatic image." Um, it, um, images that uh, that it, that this created for me made me feel that there was very much more to the project than I re- than I had realized. I immediately decided that I needed the support of another to encourage me to rework my settings and to see if a dramatic whole could be woven from this delightful verse that I was now being allowed to develop. Due to the success of the presentation at the festival, Lloyd Webber thus decided to turn Practical Cats into a musical, co-produced by Macintosh and Lloyd Webber's company, The Really Useful Group, with Brian Brawley. Oh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes. So Lloyd Webber began setting the unpublished poems 
uh, he had been given two music, a few that were later added into the show. He also composed the Overture and the Jellicle Ball opening song, incorporating an analog synthesizers into the orchestra's um, orchestrations to try to create a unique electronic soundscape. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, Macintosh recruited Trevor Nunn, uh, the, the then artistic director of the Royal Shakespeare Company, to direct Practical Cats. Nunn was an unusual choice at the time, as he was considered too highbrow for this work uh, of musical theater. But Macintosh felt yes. that a pedigree director was needed to ensure Valerie uh, Elliott's approval of the project. So basically, Trevor Nunn was there to woo the widow. Haha. <laughs> Uh, after much persuasion, Nunn yes. came on board and was joined by his fellow uh, RSC colleagues, including choreographer Jillian Lynn and sound costume designer John Napier. So Woo-hoo. basically, wherever Trevor Nunn went, he brought them to. The RSC on parade. Bingo! Um, Nunn initially envisioned Practical Cats as a chamber piece for five actors and two pianos, uh, which he felt would reflect Elliot's charming, slightly offbeat, mildly... Um, satiric view of the late 1930s London. So that's a very different way of going about the show. Uh, Nanha was also convinced that for the musical to have wide commercial appeal, the producer that the producers desired, it could not remain as a series of isolated numbers, but instead have a a narrative through line. He was therefore tasked with piecing the self-contained poems together into a story. So Nan was really the guy who had to kind of sculpt this mishmash of stuff into something whole. Which um, he did. He did. He absolutely did. Yes. Um, so, and so, uh, so, so basically none came up with the, um, an event called the Jellicle ball was referred to by Elliot in, in the poem, the song of the Jellicles while a cat, um, version of heaven known as the heavy side layer was mentioned in another unpublished poems. So none expanded these concepts into, into conceiving of the Jellicle Ball as an annual ritual in which the cats vie to be chosen to ascend to the heavyside lair, thus giving the characters a reason to gather and sing about themselves in the musical. He also added in the element of rebirth as a play on the idea of cats having nine lives. So ah. that is how it all came to be. Right. The one stipulation of nuns uh, before agreeing to direct this musical was that actress Judy Dench... Yes, of James Bond M fame, as many other things. She just is being, Judy Dench. Yeah, Judy Dench. If you don't know who she is, just Google her. You will see, you will know her the minute you see her. Uh, that he wanted her to be cast in a musical. Lloyd Webber was very happy to oblige, given her credentials, and so Judy Dench joined the company in the dual roles of Grizabella and Jenny Any Dots, as uh, Nun loves doing double casting. We see that in Les Mis. Uh, with people coming back to the barricade that after they so die. That's funny. I right? Fontaine dies in Act 1, and she comes back on the barricade in Act 2. I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah, we'll get into that when we get into that show. Patty LePone talks all about how that came to be. Um, either way. Um, <laughs> I imagine Patty LePone being on the barricade, but that's okay. Yeah, she, yeah, that's a whole thing there. We'll get into that that's story. But basically, none loves the idea of using a medium-sized cast, but then having them continually repurpose... Yeah. Things. So that's why, like, usually the character of Buster Jones on stage is also old Deuteronomy. They just swap really? the makeup. Yeah. Um, let's just stop on Judy Dent for a second okay. because if people don't know her, I kind of want them to know her. All right. Give the rundown. Um, uh, Dame Judy Dent, Dame Judith Olivia Dent, we mm. should call her, um, is an English actress. 
Hello. Um, she made her debut at the Old Vic. Uh, she is a remarkable, classically trained actress. Uh, probably her most famous role was as Lady Macbeth. Mm. Um, Ian McKellen with Ian McKellen just mind boggling Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, she starred as uh, Sally Bowles in Cabaret in Mm -hmm. 1968 Mm -hmm. Uh, and she worked extensively with the RSC until she went into uh, TV and her uh, Famously, she um, was known for A Fine Romance and As Time Goes By, which had an ex- like just the most extensive run from 95 to, 92 to 2005. And then, of course, she's been in the Bond film. She was in Shakespeare in Love. Saw her live on stage. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lucky. When I lived in England, I got to see her in a David Hare play. Oh, I will tell you. She just came to the Cineplex for The Winter's Tale with Kevin Branagh. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't Bron. It, it wasn't that. It would have been in '97. Anyway, uh, that year I also saw Kate Blanchett and Maggie Smith on stage live. <gasps> it was a good. It was a good theater going year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a. It was a. Um, a David Hare play. And at the National Theater. Okay. And uh, it was great. Okay. Amy's View. Got it. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. Well, anyway, sorry. Yeah. So Judy Dench, fantastic lady. She will be in the new Cats movie as Old Deuteronomy. Which is great. It's a great kind of revisit of her role because we'll find out why she lost out on the show. So she was cast as Grizabella and Jenny Any Dots. And despite uh, still having no established book or score, rehearsals began on March 9th, 1981 in a church hall in Cheswick, London. Uh, The rehearsal process was not smooth sailing. The original music director, Chris Walker, became so frustrated with the unfinished score that he quit by lunchtime on the first day. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, much of the early rehearsals were used for an extensive improvisation that generated many of the ensemble characters. Oh, cool. So basically Jillian just had them crawling around on the floor, becoming cats. I can't imagine a more irritating <laughs> process. Right? Just oh. days and days of that. It's as like the, the, as the unending animal exercise. I remember that in my first year. Yes. Me, having to spend a week as an uh, orangutan. Oh my, that, I can totally see you Right? It. That's brilliant. That was me. Uh, I would choose an otter. I could see that. I love otters. I can, I can see you being an otter. Just, yeah. I love it. Totally. There um, we go. There are our animals. Yes. Yeah. Um, right, so memory in eleven o'clock number for Grizabella, uh, that became the hit of the show, was yeah. what was created because none insisted the show needed an emotional center, uh, but still had no lyrics at this point. Uh, so this is where uh, Tim Rice comes in because Lloyd Webber turned to him um, to write the lyrics for the song, but none directed his uh, version of the song as it was too depressing. Uh, and and Lloyd Webber had to go in to tell uh, Rice that his version was not moving forward. Ooh. So, there's... I guess they didn't work together for a long time after that. No, it wasn't until they did 
Avida with Madonna where they had to write You Must Love Me, which is a great song. I love I that. I guess so. I love that song. It was a great addition to the show. We'll get into that in, in, in our Avita episode. In our Avita episode. Right. So Rice's version, too depressing. Uh, the lyrics uh, from memory uh, weren't actually were, were, were not completed by uh, were, were written by none, but were completed in, until well into the previews. The biggest bump in the road uh, came when uh, Judy Dench snapped her Achilles tendon during rehearsals for the old Gumby Cat, and was because yeah, it's a tap dance number. And I don't know how she did it, but she did it. <laughs> Just snapped her Achilles tendon. And thus uh, had to pull out one week before the preview. So her understudy, Mira Sands, replaced her as Jenny Anydots, while um, um, Lloyd Webber's former colleague and first Evita, Elaine Page, agreed to take on the role of Grizabella. Thank Uh, you, Lord, mm -hmm. for that. As much as I'm sure it sucked to be Judy Dench in that moment, it brought us one of the great songs in musical theater that everybody now knows. And also, once again, solidified why Elaine Page is singularly divine. One of the best belters of yes. all time. Man, she can do that woman can do anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Almost. But anything. I'm gonna say anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So good. So good. Right. Uh, so due to the injury of Judy Dench, the opening night was pushed back to May 11th, but Macintosh refused to postpone the previews as he wanted to dispel the industry's rumors that that the production was an in, um, impending debacle. So he was like, rumor mill's churning. We got to like just plow forward, but we'll move the opening later. That's what basically was agreed upon. Love it. Uh, there have been many in the press and in public who felt Cats would be a flop, which I don't blame them. It's a musical about cats. Yes. Well, it's, it's, it sounds weird, and people are like, what the hell is this show? Yeah. Uh, Lloyd Webber personally underwrote the musical and took out a second mortgage on his house as a down payment for the theater. Smart. Uh, he later called that it, uh, recalled that if Cats had been a commercial failure, it would have left him in financial ruin. Well, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, as I mentioned, the, the the lyrics to memory were not completed until well into the previews. And the reason why was because they couldn't decide on which version of the song they liked. Mm-hmm. So they kept changing it every night on Elaine Page. Till finally, one night during the preview, Elaine Page got so frustrated by the ever-changing lyrics to memory that one night she just couldn't remember which version she was supposed to be doing. So she ended up vamping on stage trying to get back on track. And she came off stage that night and told Nunn and Lloyd Webber, she said, just choose like a freaking version because I'm done with this back and forth because they tried the Rice version. They had tried one of the Nunn versions and I forget the other lyrics. Still Go? Still Go's version. Like it just went on and on and on. So basically they just went, okay, we just got to choose one because yeah. Paige is getting pissed off at us and we can't lose and another Grizabella. we Grisabella. don't that. We no! do off at us. No. Considering no. she's saving your show. No. Um, okay, so after all those hurdles, Cats premiered in the West End at the New London Theatre, now the Gillian Lynn Theatre, on May the 11th, 1981. Uh, the cast included Elaine Page as Grizabella, Paul Nicholas as Rum Tum Tugger, Susan Jan Tanner, who will go on to be the original Madame Thenardier in Les Mis, as Jelly Lorem, Wayne Sleep as Mr. Mistopheles, Sarah Brightman, the future Mrs. Lloyd Webber briefly and OG Christine and Phantom. 
uh, played double duty as Jemima and Syllabub. And Brian Blessed, who my Disney fans will know, voiced the villainous Clayton in Disney's Tarzan, played Bustopher Jones in Old Deuteronomy. The original (laughs) London production ran for a total of how many performances do you think, Autumn? Give a ballpark of how many performances you think it gave. On... In the West End. In the West End? Oh, I don't know. 500. (laughs) It was 8,994 performances before closing on its 21st anniversary on May the 11th, 2002. (laughs) Cats held the record for London's longest-running musical from 1989 when it it surpassed Jesus Christ Superstar until, until the 8th of October 2006 when it was surpassed by... A, I, in my opinion, a much superior musical, Les Miserables. The production was nominated for Best Musical. I know. I can see Autumn cringing right now. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. It's hard to. They're both mega musicals yeah. of the 80s. P.S. Stephen Tate, our original Jesus, was Judas. also. Judas. He, he was Judas. The original Judas was also in the original uh, West End cast. He was? Well, who yeah. was he? He played Growl Tiger and Gus, the theater cat. I can see him as a Gus. I hate Growl Tiger, though. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. Um, but the show was uh, a success at the award shows. Yeah. It was nominated for Best Musical, Best Actor for Brian Blessed and Wayne Sleep, Best Production Design, and Best Direction, but not Best Actress for Elaine Page. Well, it's not, the, it's not a prolific role. But it's the big song of the show. It's like, if you're going to... That's like... I got Judy Dench winning for playing Elizabeth the first in Shakespeare in Love, which is only on screen for like eight minutes of that entire film. I know. We I can't talk about that film. All right, that film really irritates me <laughs> that it was like it beat out Elizabeth. I still it still bugs me. Okay. <laughs> Either way, um, it so it did win the Olivier, or as also known as the Lawrence Olivier Award, which is the British version of the Tonys, Correct. Uh, for best new musical, and Gillian Lynn won. A special award for outstanding achievement in a musical. And they won a few set for John Napier, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so the production then transferred to Broadway with a record breaking $6.2 million in pre ticket sales. Oh my God. At the time, it was the most expensive Broadway show ever mounted with a production cost of $5.5 million. Oh. It, uh, it did pay off its investments within less than 10 months. So clearly a good investment. Uh, Cats opened on uh, October the 7th, 1982 at the Winter Garden Mm -hmm. Theater, which would eventually become home to Mamma Mia. Yes. As well as other, I forget big shows there now, but it's like the big theater in in New York. It's the one that makes money. Yes. It's it's the hot place to be. Um, Yeah. A June closing was scheduled uh, in early 2000, but it was subsequently pushed back after the resulting surge of ticket sales. Mm-hmm. So basically, they said it's closing. Oh wait, no, never mind. Where it just created a whole bunch of lot, a lot People of tickets. Still want to see this show? Yep. So instead of closing uh, in the early 2000s, it closed on September 10th, 2000, after a total of 13 previews and 7,485 performances. Yeah. This Broadway record was surpassed on the 9th of January 2006 by the Phantom of the Excuse me, of the Opera. Mm. And Cats remains one of the longest running shows in Broadway history. <laughs> Goes got the hiccups. Overall, the musical's original production 
grossed approximately uh, $388 million in ticket sales. That's nuts. Mm -hmm. The original production was nominated for Best Musical, Best Book of a Musical, Best Original Score, Best Actress in a Musical for Betty Buckley, who played yes. Grisabella. And, and best Terrence director Mann was Rumtum He was before becoming Javert. Before becoming Javert. And the Beast and Beauty and the Beast. And yes, I love Terrence Mann. He's wonderful. Oh, so good. He's so good. Um, but yeah, he was also known for Best Director for None, Best Choreography for Jillian Lynn, and a number of other production awards. It won most of its awards, including Best Musical, Best Director, Best Score, Best Actress, but didn't win Best Scenic Design or Choreography. Mm. So Jillian Lynn lost out. Uh, there have been two film versions of this musical. There was one filmed version of the stage show done in the 1990s with uh, the wonderful um, uh, Elaine Page reprising a role as Grisabella. Mm -hmm. And Ken Page, the voice of the villainous Oogie Boogie Man from The Nightmare Before Christmas, playing Old Deuteronomy. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Now... Uh, there is a new film version coming out this Christmas. Mm. We're weeks away. Uh, directed mm. by the uh, Oscar-winning director Tom Hooper, uh, who also directed the musical Les Mis. Uh, and it will be starring Taylor Swift, Judy Dench, James Corbin, Ian McKellen, Idris Elba, and Jennifer Hudson. So, stay Jason tuned. Derulo. And Jason Derulo. And Francesca. Introducing Francesca Hayward. So stay tuned for that. Autumn and I will be going to see it together mm -hmm. so we can then record a review mm -hmm. of this movie. I don't know how much Autumn's yeah. going to love me after making, I... subjecting her to watching this on screen. No, I really do want to see it. I I got a feeling it's either going to be really good and everybody's going to be like blown away by what they come up with or it's going to be like the biggest bomb of the season and everybody's going to be like, no, what the hell is this? I don't think it's this? going to be the biggest bomb. I think it's going to tickle... Their traditional musical theater's uh, funny bone while irritating the hell out of them. <laughs> like, I, I, there's something, and we're going to get into this. We are so going to get into this when we talk about Merrily We Roll Along. Mm -hmm. But I have a feeling there's something so general about it, so it will lose the depth of character mm. that is present in the live versions, versions um, and in the poems. Like, Everything looks just slightly false yes. about it. And it's not even the CGI. That's the, I was about to say, it's all done in a computer, but the sets yeah. are real. But the, that's, that's the cool least. thing is they actually built yeah. real big oversized sets to make the people look cat-sized. Which is awesome. Um, I just, uh, like, uh, you have Ian McKellen. Playing Gus the Theater Cat. Um, Ray Winston. Playing Growl Tiger. And which I don't know why they include this number in the movie. Judy Dench. Playing Old Deuteronomy. And then you have everybody else. I can, but see, I can see James Corbin as a buster for Jones. Like He's just, he's fake. Like there's nothing, there's nothing complex about him. Yeah, but neither is buster for Jones. But he, he, there should be. Like everything about T.S. Eliot has a layer of complexity that is. Uh, well, Buster for Jones is like it's like the old military cat. He kind of saunters around all, like all the gentlemen clubs. Like that's what he's representing. I know, he's but like even, old like, world. You've been watching The Crown, Mackenzie yes. Horner. You know that there are depths to these characters. Well, that absolutely, we there see. is. There absolutely and, is. And James Corden can't bring that. Neither can Rebel Wilson. <laughs> I like love in those trailers, just, don't mess with the crazy cat lady. It's I mean, like, oh boy. She's funny, but 
I but, don't know. There's yeah. there's got to be more complexity to it, and uh, uh, we'll talk about Jennifer Hudson when we get to memory. But yeah, okay. Guys, I don't know. I don't know. So now we're on to the first part where Autumn. How did you come to this show? Where, oh my lord! Like, 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 where did your journey start with this piece? I was like the tender age of nine. Okay. When I first heard of this musical, and I was—it's funny—I was, funny. <laughs> I was um, at Oshawa Little Theater where I was having my heyday at the time. Yes. Um, we did Jellicle Cats when I was ten. So did Maddie in her dance class. There you go. That was much later on. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, absolutely. Different generation. Uh, different, way different generation. Um, so that was fun. Mm-hmm. And that's how I came to know it. Um, I didn't really see it, though. Did you not see the OG Toronto production they did? Like way back? At, at, no. Oh, I'm I surprised. Not. The first the first production I saw of this was when I was 14. <clears throat> so in 19... Oh, my God. <laughs> 1980... Whatever, whatever. 1980-something. I traveled to New York. Is this when you saw Phantom in Into the Woods? Was this your big... Yes, this was my big... And Starlet Express. God. That show. It was a whole musical extravaganza. No kidding. You saw like all the big shows of the I day. And, but not um, Les Mis. And you were there. No. 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 I saw Les Mis. I don't know. When did Les Mis come out? On Broadway, it was 87. West End, 85. So if you were there in 87, you would have seen Terrence uh, Mann play Javert. Did it come out the same year as Woods? No, 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 no. The year of Woods and Phantom were the same. Les Mis came after that. That's why I didn't see it. Because I went out like the first year those two were out. Got you. So you, yeah, right. right. So Les Mis was the following year. Uh, yeah. So I saw the original Les Mis in Toronto. Ah, uh, with Michael Burgess? With, yeah. Um, on Space God right bless there. his soul. Yeah. God bless his soul. Rest mm-hmm. in peace. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, Either way, so you saw yeah. it in, in New York with Betty Buckley? Um, it must no, have been Betty no, Buckley. No, it wasn't Betty Buckley. No, it, no. When did it come out? On Broadway? Broadway, Broadway it was... Broadway was 82. No, she had, she had, she departed had retired the role. by that point. She had retired her cat coat? She had retired her Grizabella coat. Um, and I was like, eh. <laughs> It's no, cats. Uh, I prefer Phantom. That was my, I'm like, it's a bunch of singing cats. But what did I know at that point? Mm. I was in my teens. I, I, you know. Yeah. I just didn't get it. And now that I, in my later years, have started to read T.S. Eliot's poetry on a more prolific scale, mm-hmm. I've come to appreciate it. Like, I just didn't appreciate it. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get it. And it's like it's, a fine wine, it ages well. Yeah, I, I would like to think that my mind has aged well. Yes, I think so. Or I just know different things. And, and I know I, things now, many valuable things. Yes, I, that I hadn't known before. <laughs> uh, don't put your faith in a cape and a hood. It will not protect um, you the way that it absolutely should. Absolutely not. Not. Um, so yeah, that was, 
That's the first time I saw it. And then I saw um, two versions in Toronto, one at Massey Hall. Right. When I was in grade 12, which mm-hmm. was uh, okay. And then I saw a version, actually, that my a couple of my colleagues worked on. Okay. Um, Dave Campbell and Tim Webb. Right. Um, Tim actually designed it. And it was done at the, well, what was once the Panasonic. Oh, is this the most recent one that they just did? Yeah. Okay, my dad. Okay, we'll get into that because that's the one my dad and I saw. About five years ago. Yep. Um, With a hologram and my hand, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. I remember this one now. Yeah. And my friend Brad Treneman did the lighting design, Mm -hmm. which was great. The lighting was Mm -hmm. absolutely astounding on that show. We'd go, Brad, Mm -hmm. peace out. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. But I, you know, I'm... I'm a huge Elliot fan now, so I have a better understanding. Yeah, I have a I have a deeper um, love of this musical Got than it. I ever have before. Got it. Yeah. Okay. You? Well, I came to the show when I was about five or six. Yeah. Was when I first came to it. Max and- younger than myself. Everybody. <laughs> I'm just letting you know now. So the uh, not that much younger. Uh, so the first show, the first time I saw this was because on Boxing Days, we would go uh, to be with my great Aunt Marion and my great Uncle Don. And their favorite show was Cats. <laughs> so they had at their place the 1988, sorry, 1998 VHS, like two mm. VHS copy yeah. of Cats. And, yeah. they, and they knew I loved theater, so they wanted to show it to me. And it was going great until McCavity showed up. And then I left the room and didn't come back. So I didn't get to see memory or the finale of the show. I just booted it out of there and it, and it was, and I was gone. A few Christmases. Scary cat. Well, if you look at the pictures of his original, like makeup in the show, like it is like, he was a creepy looking cat. Yeah. No. Um, so a few Christmases later, they actually gave me a copy of, of musical much to my parents chagrin. As this is not certainly one of their most favorite musicals. It was my dad's first <laughs> musical he ever saw, ever, in Toronto. And they were like, Mag is going to watch this every single day. I, we know it. Well, see, they, <laughs> see, they curved me by giving me the Lloyd Webber Greatest Hits cassette, where oh. it had memory, and I forget the other song that is on that cassette from Cats. But was it, Is it Jellicle, maybe? Could be. Could maybe. be Jellicle. Either way, they, they figured out a way to do, give me the two best songs of the show. And <laughs> and avoid the rest of watching That's the so film version. Uh, but either way, oh watch God. that. And then I eventually saw it in Toronto once again with my dad because yeah. I moved back to York. And sure enough, the choice was either drive to Stratford and go see Fiddler on the Roof oh. uh, with uh, Scott Wetworth as Tevia. Oh, not Brent. No, no, okay. this was much later. Um, or my dad was like, we could go do a rush seat show here in Toronto because he'd never done a rush seat theater experience before. Oh, so I dragged him for three hours in line to get tickets to oh. see Cats. <laughs> see Cats. He must have loved you. <laughs> oh, he did because so he's already seen it. So he was like, okay, well, I guess we'll oh. see it again. So. Yeah, so he and I saw the cats today. We were in the back of the top balcony because that's all they had left. That show sold out. Well, it's cats. And it's still selling it. It's currently here in Toronto again on tour. And our friend Lindsay just saw it. That's right. And she had she has she has she had she gave it a very nice nostalgic review, saying if you're 
in cats or have or, or have nostalgia, it will tickle that bone That's right. for you. That's right. Uh, thanks, Lindsay, for that wonderful feedback. Because I now kind of decide where I was going to go see a show. I'm going to see Anastasia. Um, well, that's a good choice. I think so. Because, I mean, I've seen Cats on stage, and we're going to go see the film version. So I'm not going to see anything, because theater is too, <laughs> too expensive. expensive. Well, that's why... Actually, that's not true. I'm going to see a play next weekend. There you go. Um, and you're also coming next Thursday to see Les Mis with me at the cinemas, because that's right. for 20 bucks you get to see a live theater show from London. All right. Yes. And it's got a great cast, so I will send yes. you the times. And it's right downtown Toronto, so you, you've got no excuse, Adam. you got to come. From Muskoka. From Muskoka. Just for me. Maybe. We'll see. All right. Either way. So that was kind of our history. We Really, this episode is going to be a long one. We're already it's almost an hour great, in. But that's okay. So This, this one should be long. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like cats. It just goes and goes is, and goes. It is, it is the longest running musical of all time. Well, not anymore. It's been surpassed by other shows. But it was the... No. Yes. What other shows? Well, on Broadway, it's Phantom. And in the West no. End, it's Slay Miz. Oh, So Cats is being usurped well, whatever. by two great shows. Fine. But it's still one of the longest running shows in history. So it still has that. And it's still making a bunch of money. So And they're doing a movie about it. Yeah. So, so. clearly it's not doing too badly for itself. No, and so, I hope it's better than the Les Mis movie. But that Les Mis movie wasn't awful. Tom Hooper. I you and I are going to have to do a better. Patreon conversation about that 2012 movie because I do think there are some good qualities to that movie. It's there's just one good quality about that. Movie. I think there's more than that. But there's either way, Anne we'll get into that. Hathaway, not Anne Hathaway. Is that her name? Yeah, Anne Hathaway. It's Fontaine, where she oh, shaves her head God. live on screen for you. It's the only. It's, she is the only redeeming factor. I don't know. I loved Hugh Jackman as Valjean. And I love the set design no. in the barricade. Oh, it was fun. Either way, we'll get into that. We'll get into that on a Patreon conversation. You and I will have to talk about this at some point. We keep okay. dancing around it. All right, so our top three songs. Oh, boy. Here we go. You start this time. All right. Well, my first song is the prologue slash the Jellicle songs for Jellicle Cats. Me too. Jellicle songs for Jellicle Cats. Jellicle songs for Jellicle Cats. That song is one of the, is such a great opening to the musical. It's got amazing choreography by Jillian Lynn. It captures essentially uh, cats, their physicality, and it brings the audience right into the show. It's like you're calling through the audience, they're up on the yeah. stage. It's just like if you didn't know what the show was about before you got there, that song just brings you right into it. If and you don't know good. by the end of it. You're, yeah. You're in the wrong place. It also leaves you the whole show get asking what the heck is a jellical cat, which is never answered. Right. No. Um, but it's the whole idea of it it just introduces you to this concept of the show. And the lyrics, while repetitive and simple, are so freaking catchy that throughout the whole show you'll be leaving going, Jellicles can and jellicles do, jellicle do 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 like it just goes and it, it's just great it's just such a fun over the top opening number it's like you're it, it's like it just did all the work for you in this one song it just set everything up 
that you need to know, except for the fact that we don't know why they're all together, but that's the next song. Right. But this is, but it, it just, it just brings you into the story. It just says, Hey, this is what we're doing. Enjoy. Sit back. It's going to be weird. It's going to be fun. Yes, I agree. I, I'm with you. And I would even say that it's the whole thing up into the invitation. Yes, so that's the whole new track. Overture, the prologue, the naming of cats, which I've already recited yes. for you, and uh, the invitation to the Jellicoe Ball. It's it's just great. It's that really that whole first thirty minutes of the show is yeah. fantastic. It's but magic. my personal favorite part is the actual Jellicoe songs for Jellicoe Cats. Were you blind when you're born? Can you see in the dark? Do you look mm-hmm. at a king? Will you sit on his throne? <laughs> Can you say your bite? That is worse than your bark. Uh, so good. Are it's you so good? Bark? Um, I just, I, I have to let you know that when I was in New York, mm-hmm. um, I would do this frequently. Okay. With my friend Thomas Buckley. Um, oh, well, Alex Perez and which cat uh, were Jordan you? Jordan Murphy. Uh, I. Uh, and Mariel. Mariel was also in there. Um, it didn't matter. But I did picture myself as Skimble Shanks. I could see a Skimble Shanks. Because he's my favorite. The railway cat. Yes. The cat of the railway train. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, he's my favorite cat. <laughs> I, I love him. I totally agree with you. That is also my uh, first pick. Okay. See, this part's going to go faster. Exactly. <laughs> the second pick mm. is what, Autumn? What is your second No, pick? you go first. Well, mine is Memory. Like a flower as the dawn is breaking, the memory is I mean, it's it's the song of the show. It's the epitome of what a of what a, of what an eleven o'clock number is. It forces the ensemble to address Grizabella. It makes the end of the musical happen. It is the it is the eleven o'clock, o'clock number. number. Yeah, it's the moment, and the lyrics are so powerful. And that big climactic. We'll insert the clip here, but it's the touch me. Yeah, moment of the show. It's uh, it's it's, it's so easy something. to leave me all alone with my memories and. All I can think of with that lyric is every senior who's in a nursing home or totally is, is alone. You can hear them all screaming this line. We still have value. We're still yeah. We're still part of this world, even if you've we're kind of still here. Yes, another great song. Time song. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we're still here. Yeah, but it's that it's that whole moment of the world's passing them by, and and they're just wanting the attention they rightfully earned in the world. It's, it's it's like don't just not lock me in a nursing home. Come talk to me, come be with me. Let's share these memories. Yeah. Hold my hand. 
Yeah, you know what's oh, it's also great about memory is it's very much in in alignment with an Elliot poem. Yes, like well, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit poem. like um, it, it reminds me a little bit of Proofrock, mm. like J. Alfred Proofrock, right? Um, and how it's someone just getting closer to their demise yes. and watching themselves change bit by bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he has a great line in that. Uh, poem mm-hmm. where he says, I've measured out my life in coffee spoons. Oh. And that's kind of what Grisabella feels like. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a, there's a monotony to it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, well, to her existence. Yeah. Like, like after being glamorous for so long. Mm-hmm. And then that, that, that downfall. Oh, it's, it's a huge downfall. Like it's so hard to be extraordinary mm-hmm. and then not be anymore. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's someone, yes. Somewhat ordinary in a way. There's not the same pressure on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you and I mean, I like, mean? like there's, oh, I mean, <laughs> there's no idolization. No, right? I mean, well, if you listen to this lyric that she's, that in the alternate version, she sings when it's a solo versus a uh, duet. Uh, but it's burnt mm-hmm. out ends of smoky days, the stale cold smell of morning. The street lamp dies. Another <laughs> night is over. Another day is dawning. It's just, it's that, once again, it's that petual just, I'm waiting to die here. It's a very waiting for Godot. Yes. It's waiting for Godot. It's just that it's tragic perfect. moment of somebody just going. Waiting to die. Yeah. Which is I, all waiting I'm at for the end Godot of my rope. I, I, she, I, she just goes, I'm done. Like, yeah. I just, I can't fight this anymore. Even though Gus could rightfully deserve to be the heavy side lair cat if she didn't show up. It's, yes, but I think he still has a little bit more to give to to the cats. He still he he, he still give a little bit more to them. Here's kind he's of he's next to the heavy exactly. Fire. He yeah he's going next year. Um, cats she's, too. She's not. Gus gets his glamour chance. cat anymore. Right? No, like, well it's the thing that's where, how she was identified. Yes. Um, she uh, she also was kind of identified as someone. It was almost like she almost slept around and left the tribe. As kind of in the in the in her in her song. That they sing a better where she kind of wandered from men to men. Yeah. She sauntered around. Kind of like Evita Perot. And once again, played by Elaine Page. <laughs> oh, Elaine. Yes. This is your calling card. Yes. But let's talk about this for a moment. So Florence as well in chess, going from Anatoly or from Freddie to Anatoly. I don't think she ever slept with Freddie. Really? I think Freddie is gay. Oh. But that's another conversation. Okay. Um, so memory for me, mm-hmm. ha- like... We were talking a little bit earlier before we started recording about Judy Dench playing Rosabella. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that would have been a great choice. Or bringing back Elaine Page. Somebody older. It needs to be someone older. People, you cannot do Waiting for Godot. You cannot do these people who have gone through their whole life. Right, with, th- with 37 And now they're at a, yeah, you can't. I, I'm so tired of seeing Godots with young men. Place. I'm like, stop. You just need to stop. It's it's so wrong. You are totally misreading the text. And this this memory is the same. Jennifer Hudson, this is not your role. You are a beautiful performer. Uh, not your role. This is not your. Well, role. how old was Judy? Was Elaine Page when she I know, did it? So that's what I'm looking I, up now. I know, and she was young too. But thirty four. She was thirty four when she did this. Elaine part. Page also has a much mature, much more mature. She just has this. Ugh, angst mm-hmm. to her belt mm-hmm. um, that hurts 
It hurts when yes. you hear it. Well, that touched me every time. And, and because it's a movie version, mm-hmm. it's a movie version of this, so they don't need to dance. True. Like, she doesn't need to play two parts like Judy Dench did nope. back in the day. She can play or one. Or even Elaine Page. Right? She can, you could cast this older, which would be way more A Maggie Smith in this role would have been great. Uh, no, Maggie Smith is too zesty. She's too mm, zesty. Too zesty. She's too zesty. Who could we get then? Like, who would be your idea? Uh, Imelda Staunton? She no, can sing. she's too zesty, too. I, no, like, um, I don't know. I don't know. It needs to be someone slightly more contemplative. Olivia Coldman would be great. Mm, that'd be good. I'm kind of on a Coleman train. Have you watched her in Leanings yet? Uh, on the Shane Lapiter. Oh, that'd be good. Who was my teacher at Oxford? Really? I almost died when she came on stage uh, in the Crown. I was like, "That's Jane Lapiter." Who'd you play in the Crown? Um, she plays the uh, Philip's mother. Oh, Princess Alice. Princess Alice. Oh, actually, Alice. I could definitely see that. Yeah, she. Or um, or, or 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 you know who else you get is uh, Eileen Atkins. Eileen Atkins would also be great. Mm-hmm. Somebody just older in the part. Somebody yeah. who like looks like they've lived a life. They need to live, but glamorous. A glamorous life now, not so glamorous. Like uh, Betty I, Buckley nowadays could do it. Yeah, probably. She's old enough to do it now. Yeah. Either way, point being, memory great song, just Jennifer Hudson, you may be too young for the part. Way too young. Way too young. But either I'm way. very dogmatic about this one. <laughs> It's dogmatic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm going to be dogmatic about it. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, what's I, your second choice um, then? Because it sounded like you had another one besides memory. No, so you're apprehensive. I, I love this whole musical. Oh There's boy. not. I mean, there are a few that I'll I'll mention that are not my favorite. Like there, I I do skip some. But me too. I. I I don't know. I do. I do like memory. I'm going to go with memory. All too. right. All right. Yeah. It's how can you not? Mm-hmm. How can you not? Mm-hmm. What's your last one? Well, just like you with West Side Story in Oklahoma, where you kind of went outside the box with the dance piece. Yes. My final choice is the Jellicle Ball, the ending of Act One, the big dance <laughs> break moment of the show where they I kind love of. I it. moment in the show while the lyrics are just repeats of earlier parts of the show 
but the reason why it makes this talk to me is is because it's the orchestra and the dance. Like like when you hear the strings, like I remember when I when we saw a night of Lloyd Webber at like at the time it was the Hummingbird Center, but it was the full like sixty piece yeah. orchestra. And when you see all those violins going on stage, yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's amazing. Like and and just when you and, and the minute you hear that. Like, like it's just so good. It's just it's rock. Like, like Mac is really into this, guys. Like, like it's just that orchestral, and it's just like you just feel it. Like right in the hoo ha, as they say. It does. You feel it right in the gut, and it's like in the dance. This is where Jillian Lynn truly breaks out because throughout the whole rehearsal process they're like Jillian too much dance they can't sing because they're moving too damn much so that's why yeah. a lot of times it's a select few of cats who are dancing the rest are all sitting sprinkled around the stage but yeah. this is where everybody gets in heck even old Deuteronomy's in there in the middle there for a bit doing some hand moves over them and even Grisabella yeah. shows up there for a quick set before she gets chased off but it's just that and you can see why by the end of this nine I, I it's nine minutes this piece from beginning to end and it's just pure energy so you can it's no wonder why at the end of the of, the, of that song Jillian just had them all just drop and, it, and it's off stage out at the end yeah. of that because it's no, like it's after nine minutes of just going full tilt with lifts and jumps oh, and so good it's everything so good it's it's so good it's like cats yes <laughs> it's cats people that's so good it's so um, good. Oh, oh it's, I have to choose one now. Don't all right. I? Oh, I'm surprised you haven't brought up your favorite cat yet. Well, I am. My last one is Skimbleshank. <laughs> the railway cat. Uh, he's the cat. Of, there's a whisper down the line at 11.39 <laughs> when the night mail's ready to depart. Skimbleshank's the Gods and all the porters and the station master's daughters would be searching high and low, saying, Skimble, where is Skimble? For unless he's very nimble, then the night mail just can't go. I love Skimble Shanks. There's just such an um, an organized. Well, uh, he's very and the orchestra sounds like the. It's there's an organized urgency to it. Yes, and I I love that. It's very orderly. And I think he's very saucy. He's a very saucy. Well, the whole idea of... Uh, I, I, oh, how, how's he say? Oh, hold on. Let me pull up the lyrics. They're great. He's... And, you know, I, I do have... Uh, like, it was hard because I also very much enjoy... Mr. Mustafa's Jones. for Jones is not skin and bones. In fact, he's remarkably fat. He doesn't haunt pubs. He has eight or nine clubs. For he's the St. James's Street Cat. He's the cat we all greet as he walks down the street in his coat of fastidious black. No commonplace mouses have such well-cut trousers or such an impeccable back. He doesn't haunt pubs. He has eight or nine clubs. clubs. So he's the same. <laughs> James the Street, Street Cat. Cat. And the, the, I think the reason why I love Buster Jones so much is because it's like walking 
Um, walking through, you know, that area of London that's very close to Piccadilly <laughs> and going by all the gentlemen's clubs. And you can just see this cat lallygagging into the club, you know, and it's very funny. Uh, indeed, you know, got a cigar in his mouth. You can yeah. just see it. It's, it's, it's like Winston, Winston Churchill in he cat is form. Winston Churchill in cat form. Right. That's um, exactly what he is. Uh, it's genius. And I also really love Jenny Annie Dons. <laughs> the, the tap dancing yeah. cockroaches. But when the day's hustle and bustle is done, then the gum detect's work is but hardly begun. She thinks that the cockroaches need employment to prevent them from idle and want to destroy them. So she's born from that lot of disorderly louts, a troop of undisciplined, helpful boy scouts. With the purpose in life and a good deed to do. And she's even created a Beatles played by Rebel Wilson in the film version where she gets her hand caught in a mouse trap. <laughs> which looks kind of funny. Either way, uh, Skimble Shanks, though, like, it's so many great lyrics. I know. Like, like you got, uh, you could play no pranks with Skimble Shanks. He's a cat that couldn't be ignored with nothing went wrong on the Northern Mail when Skimble Shanks was aboard. Absolutely. Organized urgency. He just, he's, a, he's efficient. Yes! I, could, I, I, this, uh, any dots and, uh, Buster, Buster for Jones, Jones the three the of them articulated ver of cats like, of the I show. I actually see the cat. Yeah. That goes with these. Yes. The Gumby cat and the Buster for Jones. Well, yeah. Fat cat. And you got Skimple Shanks. Who's like the, well, you can see the cat. None just of my of- cats are any of these cats, which is so interesting. I got a feeling my cat's a bit of a Grisabella. Arcanga, because she, she was a rescue cat, so so yeah. and she lived a tough life on the streets before we got her. But now she kind of has become a Jenny Any Dots, where she lounges around mm. all day. My cat is not. She's too. She's. I don't know what uh, uh, Ta- Lulu would be. Is she a rum tum tugger? <laughs> no, no. I don't know what. She's not in this. She's not. Maybe in, she's in the book, and there was just a, not, a song written about her. She does not appear. She has five. She has thumbs. Ooh. She's a thummy. A thummy cat. A polydactyl. Look at that. Oh, be careful. That's dangerous. Just she <laughs> opens my fridge and steals my pasta. I was about to say, be careful She's of what she can clever. do. She's living with my parents right now because the dog, Maud, would not approve. Uh-oh. Maud, you got to be nice to the cats. Look at I saved a, a Yorkshire Terrier from I know. the cold the other evening, and I thought that our dog was going to eat it. <laughs> she was so I don't know what she'd do with a cat. She'd probably lose her uh, eyes. Um, yes, yes. Okay, so now uh, let's head into our top three songs that we are most often skipping, or we just want to simply remove from this damn show. Well, do you got one right up the top or do you want me? Okay. What is it? I am going to say Growl Tiger. I have Growl Tiger's last in in the awful battle of the Peaks and the Pollicles. Growl Tiger was a bravo cat who traveled on a barge. In fact, he was the roughest cat that ever roamed at large. From Gravesend up through Oxford, he pursued his evil aims. 
rejoicing in his title of the terror of the tenth. <laughs> Those two tied together for me as well. One oh. took over from the other in the revival. True. Like one, like Growl Tiger uh, since 2016 has been dropped. Yep. Thank God, because it was and a little racist with it the has been, pirate um, cats. The, the Battle of Peaks and Pollicles was moved to Act Two. They replaced that spot. But it's like, why do we need this song? We don't. It's like, just stay dogs. Yes. And it's like, just stay focused on the cats that are up for contention for the spot in the heavy side layer. Like, like, you know, like as much as I, it comes from a poem of T.S. Eliot, obviously. So clearly there was a reason why they put it in there, but it's like, (laughs) we don't need it. This show's long as it is. And just stay focused people. I don't think it was part of his cats though. I think it was a separate poem. I, I think Growl Tiger is a poem in there. Growl Tiger is, but the, the peaks, peaks and the pollicles came from not. somewhere else. Maybe. Yeah, because he was writing about pollicle dogs. Right. And pollicles are like. Oh, that's uh, right. That 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 was like I, the sequel book to this that T. S. Eliot had. I think had. it's PKs, like Pekingese dogs. Yeah. yeah. Pollicles are actually Yorkshire Terriers. Right, but uh, m- lyrically, it sounds better with the peaks and the pollicles. It, it has a nice yeah. rhythm to it. Well, pollicles and jellicles. Yes. Right. Pollicle dogs mm-hmm. and jellicle cats. But the big uh, thing so, is, yeah, you yeah, and I both, I just, it's just cut the damn song. Just move it along. Which is why I don't know why it's in the movie. I'm like, if you're going to kill an audience, Growl Tiger is going to be the damn show or moment in the show. Well, maybe not. Because it's so epic, they might be able to do something very interesting cool. with that's it. That's true. That's true. I mean, I, I love Gus the Theater Cat. So I'm like, you need Gus, but you I don't need Growl Tiger. <laughs> He's the old boy. Yeah. And the fact that it's Ian McKellen just yes. makes me happy. Who has a beautiful pink house on the Thames. Does he really? Yeah, he's painted his loft pink. Love it. Only Ian McKellen would get away with that. Only Ian McKellen would get away He also owns the pub that Token used to frequent, J.R.R. Token. Of course he does. And and now his Gandalf staff and sword are above the bar, so he goes in there and hangs out. I love it. So you now have to go frequent this pub when we go to London at some point. Oh, yes. Let's do that. Because our London audience is massive. Let's do that tomorrow. All right. We'll We're coming for you. We'll do a live show. <laughs> there you go. Set us up in the pub. Yep. All right. Uh, the next song on my list is, do you have, do you have another one or is that yeah. kind of, Okay. What's your next one? No, you go first. Old Deuteronomy. I believe it. It's too slow. I find it kind of slow and boring. And I think that stems back from me being a kid. And it's like Yeah, but you can't you can't look at it through the eyes of a child. But this is this is the musical that's perfect for a child that you bring your kids to see. It, and it it's, is. it's but it's it's just so slow because it's like Judon is such a great character. And, and but and I can't wait to see Judy do this part, but it's it's just uh, it's kind of meh. It's like I know, but you need it. I know, you, you do the, need it, you but need it's a god like you do, you do, oh, but it's like no, it's good. I like old Deuteronomy. I don't. I, I, I'm, I distinctly remember fast forwarding through this section every time as a kid on the VHS. I was like, and 
on to the next part of this, which I think is the Jellicle Ball comes right after Old Deuteronomy. So there you go. There's another one. No, the awful battle of the peaks and pollicles. Oh, God. <laughs> so I sat it's through like, that. Boom, boom. Yeah. And then you made it to the Jellicle So Ball. maybe that's why I like don't like both of these songs, is that they just kind of kill the end of the first act, where it's like, Ugh. yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I love his character. One. Okay, what's I yours? McCavity. That was that was close to being on the chopping block too, where I was like, it, it was either that one or my third choice. I I still like my character because you do need a song about the villain. You need something that makes need, him. All cats are complex, and I just think that this it's very problematic. I find the casting of the movie incredibly Elba. problematic. That. Uh, they're fighting a the text. The <laughs> McCavity specifically says he's a ginger cat. Yes, he does. It, it, there's nothing ginger about him. No. Nope. Um, and McCavity, like in its name, is a Scottish cat. So why you cast an African? Well, he's Ray Winston. What do you mean a better McCavity? Uh, I just don't know. I I just think there's something very off. Um. I don't think it's right. I don't think that the mystery cat uh, should automatically be an African-American or an African-British person. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that it's problematic. I think it's pro- like you have your your three main characters that have, you know, Grisabella, who is called a tramp and someone who sleeps yep. around, also cast with an African-American. And you have uh, the over-sexualized Rum Tum Tugger. <laughs> as, like, I just, I think there's something problematic Who casts this damn movie? And I get it. I get it. They're all incredibly talented. But... I don't know. It, it's it, for me. It's it's, and I've watched the trailers with Idris Elba, and there's an there's a pervasive evilness, mm-hmm. and he plays villains really well. But he's better than that. It's true. Like if you watch him on the wire, he is cast as one of the drug overlords, but he's so complex, and the reasons why he's mm-hmm. doing what he is doing makes sense. It's it's he's genius. Mm-hmm. He he. We side we side with him. Oh, that's kind of scary. No, it's brilliant. It's absolutely genius writing. Okay. And his journey throughout that TV series was remarkable. Mm-hmm. And then this just seems again. This is the problem with this version. Mm-hmm. It's very general. There is nothing specific about it. Mm-hmm. It's like here are the cats. Here are the types. Yep. 
that we're playing. Yeah. And, oh, we're going to cast, um, I don't know. There's some, I find it very problematic. <laughs> and in the original, if, and I, I find McCavity, uh, the original makeup of yeah. McCavity, also problematic. Yeah, there is something really off about that makeup. It's almost blackface. That's right. And Basically it's, what they've done. It's, and it's like why yeah. he's he's described as a ginger cat. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll find the... Okay. I mean, like, the only thing I say about the song is you need the song to set up the villain of the show. Because unless you have that song, there's no villain. And you do need a villain of the story. I don't know if you do need a villain. I don't know why you need a, a, a villain. Well, you need something that they're working against that kind of... Or else, the, or else the show's over in one act. The whole point of McCavity is he takes away Deuteronomy, and kind of, and they have to get him back somehow, which is where you get. McCavity's a ginger cat. He's very tall and thin. Okay. Right. McCavity's mm-hmm. a mystery cat. He's called the Hidden Paw, for he's the master ki- criminal who can defy the law. He's the bafflement of Scotland Yard, the Flying Squad's despair. For when they reach the scene of crime, McCavity is not there. For me, McCavity is like a lanky uh, cat? Scottish guy. I could see that. Kind of, kind of like a more, well, they describe him as a Moriarty. He's a Moriarty. And if you think about that, like that, that that's what you got, like that's what you got to go with. So. Or again, Irish, mm-hmm. but McCa- McCavity is a very Scottish name. So I don't know why. McCavity. Right, McCavity. And he's he's very Scottish. Mm. And they keep talking about Scotland Yard and, uh, you know. I get um, it. I get it. The way they they depict McCavity is never good. I just don't like it. I don't like McCavity. And yeah, Yeah. he's a Mr. Cat. Good. Great. Amazing. (laughs) Uh, Almost. And I I know. I I also don't like Rum Tum Tugger. I love Rock and Tiger. I'm not. If you offer me pheasant, I'd rather have grouse. If you put me in a house, I would much prefer a flat. If you put me in a flat, then I'd rather have a house. If you set me on a mouse, then I only want a rat. If you me on a rat, then I'd rather chase a mouse. I know, but I'm kind of like, okay, why do we have an Elvis in the show? We don't need that. Because it was the 80s, man. I know. I know. I know. It was I the know. 80s, and, like, I love the fact in, in like, in, in, in the new version, they still kept his rough, like, coat I think thing at the top with Jason Derulo. They still kept that costume design of him having that big lion mane rough for him, yeah. I mean, he—he's such a cool cat. Like, it's just, you know, yeah. He, he's a cool guy. Apparently, in the most recent revival for a while, that they tried making Rum Tum Tugger's song into a rap. They're trying to make it more modern, and that didn't fly with audiences. <laughs> so they went back to the OG version. Yeah, because why? Because why? Because apparently, Lori Weber thought it'd be a good idea to modernize that song, <laughs> making it into a rap song. Which I'm like, no, just stick with the song that as it was. It's still a fun. He's a bit of a diva. He oh, I he absolutely is. Like he, he's um, a diva cat. He well, he's the whole thing is I want to go in, I want to be out, I want to 
I want yeah. fish. No, I want paste. Like, like, like uh, uh, you give me a pheasant, I'll have a grass. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, he's the cat you get frustrated with because it's like, I just fed you. What do you want from me? That's my cat. Yeah. Okay, so you're your like, cat is a rum tum tucker. Oh, oh, okay. You uh, don't. It's the same with the dog, though. That's true. Like, here is this elaborate, very expensive, dog beautiful, food. Yeah. Uh, Dish. dehydrated, now wet food for you that mm-hmm. I bought and spent a lot of money on. Um, oh, you'd rather have table scraps. Um, well, no, she would rather eat uh, her uh, basket of wet gnats. Like the dog won't eat anything. <laughs> and so with the cat, like the cat yeah. would be like, I don't want my kibble. I will open your fridge with my paws and take what I want. <laughs> See, you your much. cat is a rum tum tugger. There we go. I guess so. I guess she's a bit of a rum tum tugger. Yeah. I, I just, I, that song is just so funny, especially right after Jenny and he dots. And you yeah. see all the old cats reacting to this sexual, hip moving. I think it would be kind of funny if he was, like, an older cat, too. Yeah. Like, I would love to see these. <laughs> like, and the uh, Macavity, for me, should be, like, a scrawny, lanky, Almost like a Richard III type cat. He's a total Richard III. Mm-hmm. That's exactly who he is. Or mm-hmm. Moriarty. Yeah. Like, anything... Uh, like, lanky. Idris Alba, there's he's too sexy. He's not sex. I would like to see this... Uh, cat not be sexy. I'd like to see him Weasley. Yes. Like a weasel. No, who'd have been great is um, Tom Hiddleston. Like you know Loki who from. would have been great? Who? David Tennant. Actually, yes, I could see that. David Tennant would. I would. Love, and he's Scottish. Yeah. Just throw some. Throw him in a red wig. I'd love to see David Tennant play the cavity. Because then I would like the song. Mm. I don't like it this way. Also, you probably wouldn't like the song Mood because I think that's Taylor Swift's big song. Which one? McCavity. Look it. I like Taylor Swift. Just not a musical. She's not a musical theater person. And why? Why can't we just cast theater people? Why can't we cast theater people? We're so getting into this. Skimble Shanks is a theater people. Well, and it's the best number in the whole Mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah. But like Ian McKellen and Judy Judy Dench. Dench and Ray Winston are all theater. People who can do it. People who transitioned into film. Mm-hmm. Taylor Swift is not. Rebel Wilson is not. Jason Derulo is not. Idris Elba. I'll take Idris Elba, just not in that role. Any other role. And no, not any other. He would have been a great um, uh, monk strap. I would have liked to have seen him play Growl Tiger. I think that would have been great. But yeah, but then was in now he happens like the evil pirate. Yeah, I know. Well, there's not much else. But we, you can complicate. You can complicate Growl Tiger. Mm-hmm. Right? If you include it in the damn show, which I would not. <laughs> Just cut that damn song, please. Yeah. Either way. Okay. All right. Those are our songs. I have one more. Oh, you do? I do. The addressing of cats at the end of the show. You've heard of several kinds of cat, and my opinion now is that you should need no interpreter to understand our character. You have to keep no. addressing a cat. The show's big moment ends with Grisabella going up to the heavy side lair. And then you have Deuteronomy like rehashing all about cats. And it's like, no, the big moment of the show ended with Gr- Grisabella. Like, show done, lights out, she's up, she's done, show's over. Oh, no. You don't need this song, just cut it. Oh, 
no, no. You have to have a theatrical cast. No. Come on. Just end it with Grisabella. Because that, that, that's your plot of the show. After she leaves, it's like, why are we still here? And I, I understand that. However, <laughs> mm-hmm. we're all like, oh, this is great. And then oh, it's like it's like the epilogue. I guess. It's an epilogue. It's a true epilogue. But do we need the epilogue? Yes. It's crazy. <laughs> so first your memory, I'll jog and say a cat is not a dog. Like, come on. It's it's great. <laughs> It's like, come on, people, wrap the damn show up. We're done. We we got to the heavy side layer. We're now over. Listen to this before a cat will condescend to treat you as a trusted friend. Some little token of esteem is needed, like a dish of cream. It's, 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 I mean, they're great lyrics. They're great. So they're great. They're great. Uh, that, those are Tilly Sally lyrics for sure. It's, it's, it's Puck's final. It's, I guess. If these shadows have offended. I guess. Thanks for this and all is mended. I guess. It's the epilogue. All Think right. Think of it as the epilogue and you'll be fine. She has gone up and now here is my final piece. <laughs> As King Cat. I guess so. Or I guess now Queen Cat. As Judy Dench will be the one singing this. Gender neutral cat. They're cats. They're cats. Cats have gender. Yes, I know. But maybe they, maybe we shouldn't even give them a gender. Mm. It's more interesting. <laughs> all right. We're all more interesting. Here we go, Autumn. Fluid beings. The final moment of the it's podcast. It's very long podcast. Actually, yeah, yeah. This podcast is is a bit of a longer one. Actually, that's just not too bad. We're we're only an hour and a half, so we're that's actually good. doing okay. Should we do it? Yes. Is, is should this be revived? Yes or no? I yes. think. Nah. Mac, come on. See, this is my thing. I go. It's a benchmark in musicals, so it is. Uh, so it's something where like any musical person needs to either watch the stage version or watch a film version of it no just but it's like do we it. need to keep reviving this because i mean like as Lindsay said if it, if you're looking for a new version of cats you won't find it it's like this there's is, nothing wrong with the old version so which is great we... but we don't need to revive it again and again and again it's one of those things where it's like we've done it the dances aren't going to change like they the costumes are going to stay the same like, uh, there's nothing like there's not what you really can, like dig into characters to reevaluate it's like okay we're That's here. Like we're watching it again. We should just throw out T.S. Eliot's book of poems. No, I, I would say read the poems just like you're going to read Harry Potter to your kids. Like they're great pieces of work, but that doesn't mean that it, like it needs to be revived again. I think we well, got. Why not share it? Like we have a film is... version of in, from 1998 that is a film stage version of this mm-hmm. with Elaine Page. Like you yeah, can't but, beat that. But people want to see it, and it's accessible for kids. I guess. So why not introduce kids into the musical theater without, repertoire without Disney? Without Disney, what a godsend! Something without Disney. I mean, I love Disney. Don't get me wrong. We're, this way, we're Mary get Keenan some... would kill me. Yeah. A if I don't mention her name when I say the word <laughs> Disney, but B if I am derogatory towards Disney. I love Disney. Disney's amazing, but it's nice to have options. It is, but I just options. go, if I'm a producer, if I want to make money for something, I'll put on cats. Well, then that's fine. But as a, as, a, as a show where I'm like, do I need, does it need to be revived again? Not necessarily. I don't know if any of these need to be redone again. I think there's a few that could, that are, can always generate new conversation and new thoughts. I think thoughts this has a new... lot to say. I think this has what? a lot to say. I think it has a lot to say about... Um, 
uh, who, I, I don't know. I think it, <laughs> I'm trying to articulate my thought, everybody. <laughs> I think it has, a, I think, A, it's great um, to talk about animals in human form and to give them a voice. A, a voice. That's one. Because it's fun and that's great for kids to access. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Number two, I think it, you know, it's so interesting that his run of musicals like Joseph, Jesus Christ Superstar. Evita. Into, no, I'm going to skip over Evita for a second because it really doesn't uh, do this. But into Cats, where it really is about traveling on beyond. Oh, I see um, what you mean. There's religious connotations yes. to this musical. So, you know, from a from a um, spiritual point of view, mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting conversation. That's true. And who is deserving yeah. and how do you get to the path of righteousness? Yes. Uh, I think that's I think it's fascinating and I think All right. I think I just think there's something there. Um beautifully simple about taking a children's book, setting it to music and then bringing it back time and time again. It's a little bit like Mary Poppins I or so. Sound of Music. Like, True. Can you really do anything With other? Sound of music? Not really. Uh, I it's, mean, it's, sure, you could. I love to see him Sound of Music done from the Baroness's perspective. Well, That'd be what get I want on it, Matt. All right, Come I'll on. work on that. Either way, I think this show is fantastic. It is fantastic. But I'm not fully sold on if it needs to be revived again. But Autumn, you have I put some... I am sold on the fact that it should <laughs> always be revived. It's a great musical, and I think it's classic theater. Um, musical theater repertoire. Mm-hmm. That if you're, if you like, and it's there's something uplifting about it. Mm-hmm. Literally, when she goes, and it's up, cheeky. up, up to the heavy side layer. It's cheeky, and it's it's got a lot of hearts. Like mm. there's a lot of there's a lot of goodness in this musical. You know what? Fair enough. Okay. I, all right. I changed his mind. Somewhat. I'm not fully <laughs> conceding. Somewhat. Um, either way, that is kind of it for this. Huzzah. Uh, huzzah autumn we do have something from brody our wonderful oh. theme music composer he, oh. uh, he, ha- he has a little announcement he wants us to make for him <coughs> so Amazing. let me pull up his message he sent me the wonderful brody weld uh, is it about his rap music it is actually it is where did i put that note here brody where are you? okay so brody is actually been working on a new album Oh, amazing. Yes. Um, it is a collaborative uh, EP between himself and a producer who goes by Wavy Matt. Oh. And the project is called Wavy Flow, and it will be released in early 2020. And his first album just hit 1K on Spotify. Way to, to Brody. Brody. Well done to you. He and I will be meeting up during our uh, season's hiatus to compose a new theme song because every season will shake it up a little bit uh pulling from other overtures yeah, why not because the first one's very kind of uh gilbert and sullivan meets phantom the next one who knows maybe we'll get some trumpets and some brass with some annie who knows uh, Brody and i will have some fun on that and Brody does want to be a guest so he and i will Excellent. find an episode we may have to go to hamilton for that episode because of him and his baby so you and i may have to do some pilgrimage out that way alexander hamilton no not that 
Not that one? No. Oh, well. um, but either way, Brody's doing fantastically. Find him on Spotify as Father Flozis. Flozis. And he is wonderful. Autumn, where can they find you? Oh, all the places. Um, I am Autumn DM Smith, Instagram and Facebook. And my company is littlewoodsmith.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also go to littlewoodsmith on Facebook and Instagram. Love it. And you can find me on all social media platforms at Mackenzie Horn. Look, just look for the profile picture with the ginger hair. Uh, thank you for everybody who has been listening we yes, are currently over 600 total listens. Our first two episodes are over 100 listens each. Love it. And we are, Autumn, we are worldwide. We are all over the place. Let me pull up our and, map. Uh, friends, please feel free to um, message, message us. us. Yes. Actually, speaking of messages, there was a great message that was sent to our Facebook as a correction from oh. our first episode. Uh, hold on. Let me pull it up here because it does tie in with Lloyd Webber, funny enough. How exciting. Yes. So let me see. Where is that little... Shout out to that person. Hold on. Let me find the message here. Now we'll read it because he pointed out something that we did. Oh, here we go. So it's Griffin Jenkins. Oh. And he wrote to us saying, enjoying the show, guys. Just one correction in the West Side Story episode. So sorry, not the first episode, second episode. uh, You guys said Lloyd Webber does his own orchestrations and that isn't correct. His longtime orchestrator is David Cullen. And it's and it's kind of understood that often Weber will give him just a melody and some chords, and Cullen will eventually add a lot of the irregular time signatures Weber is known for, and general and certainly credited as creating the sound we all associate with him. So, wow. Griffin Jenkins, thank you for that. Yes, that was marvelous. Uh, we do appreciate any type of time we do make a little flub. Call us on it. We'll happily correct it. Absolutely. Because you know what? We're all human and we're all just doing our thing here. So we'll happily do that. Uh, Autumn, do you know, I don't know where some people are listening from. I, I, you, you have shared this with me. But I, I have. I find it fascinating. So we are worldwide in Canada. Wow. Some of our biggest spots are in Ontario, obviously, including places like Bracebridge, Mississauga, Barry's Bay, London, Cornwall, Hamilton, uh, and then elsewhere. Shout out to Bracebridge, Ontario. Yes. Yes. Thank you all for that. Uh, and then in the States, we're in quite a few places now. We are in Kentucky. Uh, we are in, oh, went to the UK there for a second. Uh, we are in New York, California, Virginia, Washington, Maryland, Colorado, Vermont, New Jersey, Illinois. We are everywhere. People in Florida, let's go. You got to get on this map. Uh, yeah. And then in the UK, uh, England, you are like leading the pack here. Like you are like right in number two, right behind Ontario for listens. And great. in England, we are in Birmingham, London, Prescott, uh, Kensington, Romford, um, Pickering, uh, Watford, Clampham. Um, and then we're in Wales, Cardiff. Uh, Trellich, uh, Meredith, uh, uh, Tittafil, Scotland, we're in Edinburgh and Wishaw. Like, we are going a place up. And then we're in the Philippines, Australia, Germany, uh, Hong Kong. Like, guys, we love you. So, we do. And I, I have to sit here and kind of awesome wonder that. <laughs> 
our little podcast. Our little voices are reaching you across across the world. Mm-hmm. It's it's very humbling. Yes. So thank you for listening, mm-hmm. and please drop us a line. Yeah. And this is probably our last episode before the holidays. Yeah, this episode will come out right before the holidays, and then next week, right after the holidays, we'll have our preview for the next episode. So this wow. is our last episode of 2019. Uh, full, full full episode, and we are just so thankful for all of you for yes. making this little dream of ours a reality. A, a huge reality, and have a blessed holiday. Yes, whether you're with um, friends or family season. or just chilling out all by yourself, because you know what? Eating a turkey on your own is just as good as eating it with everybody else. It's turkey. Yeah. Gobble, gobble time. Gobble, gobble. Let us know if you're a cat or a dog person, if you're going to see the cat's movie over the holidays. Send us your review. We will happily talk about some of the feedback. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe we'll do we'll do a special feedback episode. Yes, absolutely. Um, but either way, thank you so much for listening. We love you all. Have a happy holiday. Happy and we holidays. will see you with a next full episode in 2020. Woohoo! Woot woot, new decade. Here we come. Uh, talk to you later, guys. Bye. Bye.